You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, Sienna Cypress downtown, digital family as well. And we will jump into Romans 5 in just a second. We've been journeying through this series called Faith, that our faith is what gives us a connection with God. That's what gives us salvation. That's how we relate to God. And so we're going to be talking about a big word today called justification in just a little bit. It's a 29-point Scrabble word, just so you know, if you can get that figured out. But it's a big word, but it's got big meaning as well of all the things that God has done in us and can do through us with justification, with the benefits that He gives us. Now, I started thinking about what's a good way I could illustrate this, and a story came to mind. I went with our senior adults to the museum a few years ago, and we went to go see the Dead Sea Scrolls. So I thought, well, this would be fun. I'll get to connect with our senior adults, and I'll get to see the Dead Sea Scrolls at the museum, which is great. And it just by the way, I want you to know, our senior adults are amazing at our church. Every campus, they volunteer, they're worshipers, they're encouragers. Can we just give a round of applause for our senior adults and just respect our elders a bit? We're grateful for them. And we got a bunch of activities for them. And so one of them was going to the mall, or going to the mall. I don't think we do that one. Go to the museum. They got to do that on their own time. But the museum, uh, we go. And so I got there right on time. I jumped on the bus. And everybody was 30 minutes early sitting on the bus, just waiting on me there. So I knew, okay. And so I got on the bus and we headed off to the, to the uh, museum to see the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. Had a great time. And then after that, we were going to go eat lunch together. And so where would you go on a senior adult trip? You go to the cafeteria, right? That's where you go. So we head to the cafeteria. So I'm hungry by this point. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And I don't know why, but the cafeteria just makes me get all sorts of stuff on my tray. I get there and I'm like, ooh, that looks good. One of those and one of those. So you end up with like 50 little bowls of things that are all the way around. So I'm getting like all this stuff there. And cafeteria is the only place I order Jello in anywhere in the world. And nowhere else do I get Jello, but the cafeteria, those little cubes just look so like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And so I get the Jello, and so I get all my stuff, and I'm just cruising along, and one of these and two of those, and this is great, and this is great. And I get to the register, and the guy looks at me, and he do 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 And he looks at me, and he says, $26.50. And I said, no, just, just my tray. <laughs> and he smiled and he said, 26.50. So I pull out my wallet. And I'm like, man, gosh, there must be gold in this jello. I don't know what's going on. So I pull out my wallet and I hand him my credit card. And he says, we only take cash. <laughs> I'm like, well, what do I do? And this sweet old lady next to me goes, pastor, it'd be my honor to buy you lunch today. <laughs> she pulls out her coin purse and takes out $1. <laughs> flattens it out, and then a tin comes out, and I'm, I'm feeling such guilt, like just, oh, I mean, we're supposed to be helping, not taking, and so she just pulls it out, and she pays, you know, forty-two fifty. I don't know what it ended up with her thing, paid it all, and got it there, and I just felt so guilty the whole time, and so we got back to the table, I was like, when we get back to the church, I'll get you some money, I promise, we'll do, I'll send you a check, something we'll do, no, 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 pastor, it's my honor, I'd love to buy you lunch, that's great, no problem like that, and I just felt so terrible that I'd spent all this money, and then here she had to pay for it, this sweet, sweet old lady. Earlier today, when I told this story, this, the lady came up to me and said, that was me. <laughs> I said, well, awesome. You're the hero of the church today. That's great. And I just felt so guilty and so bad. Well, let me tell you what justification is. 
Justification, we're gonna see all these benefits. You're gonna put on your tray all sorts of things, peace with God, access with God, endurance, perseverance, the love of Christ, all these things. And we're gonna get to the end of the aisle and they're gonna ring it up and they're gonna say, Jesus Christ has paid for it all. It's all free. He's taking care of everything. Romans chapter five, look at the five benefits of justification. I'm gonna define justification. Then I'm gonna give you five benefits. We're gonna move fast, so hang on. Here we go, verse five, or excuse me, verse one out of chapter five, one and two, here we go. Therefore, now we're gonna see the word therefore a lot in Romans because it's a very logical book. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. First of all, justification. Chapter four, if you look at the last word of chapter four, the last word is justification. The first verse of Romans chapter five is justification. What does justification mean? Here's what it means. When God declares sinners righteous on the basis of faith, that's our sermon series, in His Son, Jesus Christ. Justification is when God declares sinners righteous. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's salvation on the basis, not of works, but on faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter four, the whole chapter was, it's not by works, it's by faith. Abraham didn't do it by his works. David didn't do it by his works. And you're not gonna do it by your works and I'm not gonna do it by my works. It's not that we try to get more good than bad in the scales. We try to do a little bit more of this than that. If we did that, if salvation was based upon our work, then keeping salvation would be based upon our work. And if salvation was being kept by your works or my works, we would have already lost it, right? And we would never have any security with it. Well, how do I know when the scales got tilted? It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice in verse one, it's past tense. Therefore, since we have been justified, past tense. So the believer in Christ is looking back to that salvation moment and saying, I've trusted in Jesus as my savior and I've trusted in him. So Christ is my basis and faith is my vehicle. So it's past tense. You don't get your salvation or your justification in installments. Not a little bit of church, a little bit of church, and I'll do a little bit more. I'll buy the pastor lunch at the cafeteria. I'll do these things. It's not those things. You get it one time because Jesus said it is finished on the cross. So now I've passed tense. I've trusted in Jesus. For me, that was October 21st, 1986, 16 years old. That makes me 52. I did all the math for you right there. I trust in Jesus in my heart as Savior. So I look back on that day that's when I was justified. Easier way to put it. It's just if I'd never sinned. That's what God does. He makes a trade. Just if I'd never sinned. I trade my sin for his righteousness. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, Paul says, with a heart, one believes and is justified. We get in the trailer behind dad on the bike and he takes us along and we're able to follow him. So Paul is established in Romans 1 through 3, basically, everybody has sinned. And it's chapter 4, he establishes the only way that you get out of your sin is by faith in Christ alone. It's for Abraham, David, me, and you. And then chapter 5, he's going to show us in the first five verses the benefits of justification. And then the rest of the chapter, he's going to show us the basis of justification. 
So it's just if I'd never sinned. Don't let it be a 29-point Scrabble word that blows your mind and you just, I don't know what he's talking about. God's made a believer righteous in faith in Christ, trading sin for righteousness. And there's benefits that happen. First benefit is this, having peace with God. Having peace with God. That's the first benefit, is that you have peace with God. Now, I want to show you, it says in there, peace with God. Now, there's a difference in peace with God and the peace of God, okay? Peace with God is a legal, factual term. Peace of God is a situational, maybe circumstantial, not fact, and it is a fact, but it's a feeling-based thing, okay? So you can have peace with God and not feel the peace of God. Now, I hope you feel the peace of God. I hope you feel the love of God. But I just got, I got to tell you, if you're going to be a believer your entire life, you're really going to walk with God. There's going to be times you don't feel the peace of God, but you still have peace with God. And it brings a great point for us to understand. Students, I really want you to understand this. You got to get to a place that you can say this sentence and mean it. The way I feel might not be real. The way I feel might not be real. Say that with me. Ready, go. The way I feel might not be real. We've all felt something that hasn't been real. We get up and we're depressed and, oh, the world's terrible. Well, the world might not be terrible. You might not have had a good night's rest. Well, you feel bad in your marriage. My marriage stinks. It's terrible. We're on our way to divorce. Well, no, it might be just you kind of had a little tiff. The way you feel is not always real. And feelings are so strong in our life, we have a lot of trouble separating fact and feeling. And so I'm telling you the fact part of Christianity is this, you have, if you're a believer in Christ, placed your faith in Jesus, been justified by Christ, you have peace with God. That's important. And peace with God will bring you to Philippians 4.4 of having peace of God that passes all understanding. They're both very important, but peace with God is a legal, factual statement. This Greek word means to join together, meaning that we've been joined with Christ. When God looks at the Christian, he doesn't see you, he doesn't see me, he doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus, he sees the blood of Christ because we're a part of him and we belong to him and he belongs to us. We're no longer at odds with God. Isn't that amazing? No longer at odds with God. And you may say, well, I've never had a problem with God. Well, you might not have had a problem with God, but God had a problem with you. It's called sin, okay? And through your faith, you place your trust in Jesus and he made it just if I'd never sinned because Christ paid the price. Now I have peace with God. And from that, I'll have peace of God, but first peace with God. Past tense justification, peace with God, legally done, factual statement done. And that justification is like a master key opening everything up because the second benefit is we obtain access to God. Peace with God and obtain access to God. Verse two, and we have also obtained access. Wasn't I creative in our point? Obtaining access to God, here's the verse. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Access. Now I got my keys here. I got my car key. I got some other keys going on here. And I've got here, this is the fob that I can basically put up to next little things at the church in any campus. 
pretty much anywhere, I could go beep, beep and go right in. This gives me access to my office, worship center, other campuses. I can go in through this fob. You probably got something like this at your workplace too. This gives you access. You've got a fob into heaven and you have access to God. He has given you access. Now this access means that we have the ability to approach, now this is really rich, through the favor of another. Here's what Warren Wiersbe says. A child of the king can enter his father's presence no matter how he looks. This word access here means entrance, listen, entrance to the king through the favor of another. So I need this fob, the favor of this fob is gonna give me entrance into the next room. Jesus Christ allows us through his invitation, he says, let me introduce you to my father. I want you to come into the throne room with me. I want to host you into the throne room through my cross, and I am your access point. So we're taken to the king through the favor of another, and that's the throne, or that's the power and the cross of Jesus Christ. Now think about your Old Testament. The Jews were separated from God through a veil, the Holy of Holies. The Gentiles were separated from God in a wall. There was even separation between men and women. There was different courts around the temple. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, Luke chapter 23, verse 45, the temple veil was split from top to bottom, not bottom to top, heaven to earth. He took the veil down. Ephesians chapter two, verse 14, for Jesus is our peace who has made the two groups one, Jews and Gentiles, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 18, a few verses later, for through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. So we come in and God now takes down the wall. He takes down the veil. We can connect with God and we have access to God. Not only that, Jews and Gentiles can be together. Not only that, men and women can be together. Not only that, you want racial reconciliation. It comes from a, a Jesus being the center and saying, hey, we're all children of God. And so it doesn't matter what race you are. doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. doesn't matter what socioeconomic class, whatever, any, insert any other blank. It doesn't matter because we are all before the Lord as children of God. Do you see it? So we've been given access to God and this grace allows us to stand in a secure position. So let me throw in Hebrews here. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. So we can approach God. We have access to God. That's really big. That's amazing. And we can be with him and we have peace with God and access to God. Now, let me give you, I think, a great illustration of access to a place of power. I want to show you a picture of John F. Kennedy, Kennedy, and he's got his two kids in the Oval Office. You've probably seen this picture before. Isn't that an amazing picture? I mean, who gets to play in the Oval Office? That's pretty amazing. If they get to go in there and have fun, I love JFK's clapping for them there and they're excited and they're jumping, just access to this place of power. Look at this next picture of John F. Kennedy Jr. Just peeking out from the Resolute, the desk there in the president's office, in the Oval Office. I mean, how amazing is that? What access is that? Why do they have that access? Because their father is the president. And you and I have access to God because he's our father. We don't get to step in the Oval Office. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. It's an amazing deal. We get to step into the throne room of heaven for all of eternity, not four years, not eight years. 
We get to step in for eternity because we have access to God. How awesome is it to play in your father's office? So good. In my office here at the church, when my kids were small, I had all sorts of toys because I wanted them to feel like it was our office. It was, we were together. They're always welcome here. Had M&Ms that they could just put this little thing and it would just give a bunch of M&Ms to them. It was great. It's bad for me because I'd do it once a day. I'd just take this handful of M&Ms. Access because of your father. How amazing is that? You have peace with God. You have access to God. That's how uh, it happens. In hope, you have access. In affliction, you have access. The next thing I want to jump to is the benefits. We're going to get a little out of order in your listening guide, but benefit number three is learning to rejoice. Now we're able to learn to rejoice in our trials even. Now watch this happening. Peace with God brings access with God, which prepares us to trials that we, get to, that we go through with God, okay? Now, does that mean you rejoice in your trials? Like, man, bring it on. I love trouble. Come on. That's not it at all. Instead, it's saying, I want to rejoice in knowing that God is at work doing something deeper in me. Even when I don't see you working, I know that you are. Even when I don't feel you working, I know that you are, like we just sung. So there's something happening there. We've got to learn to rejoice in hope and in affliction. Now, look at verses three and four, and it's going to give us a great progression. Verse three. And not only that, but we also boast, other versions say rejoice, I like rejoice better. We also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction or trials produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. It's a continuum, it's a progression. Affliction, endurance, proven character, hope. Endurance is your blank. Affliction, endurance, Proven character, hope. Where are you in whatever you're going through? Because we're all going through something. Where are you on this progression? Are you just in the affliction part, the trial part? You're like, oh, I can't believe this happened. Woe is me. Ah, ah. And that's real valid. It hurts. Life is painful. Are you at the affliction part? Or have you kind of settled in and you're like in the we will not be moved part? We're going to stand we're going to trust, we're going to walk in faith, and we're going to prove our character. We say we believe in Christ, we say we believe in God, and we're going to show that we believe in God. This is where a lot of people cut and run. And then from that proven character, then next comes hope. Next comes hope. Lord, I know you're doing something through this. God, I know you're sovereign. God, I know that you're, you've got heaven and that's where my loved one is. I know that you're, you're in this spot right now. I know you're gonna use this in my life somehow. You're gonna use me with other people as well. It's painful to go through this affliction to endurance, to proven character, to hope. Students, let me put it in, in a way for you. Here's the way it works for you. Students, the, the affliction is when you get the assignment. You're like, oh no, how many words in the essay? How many multiple choice? Oh, that's the affliction. Then the endurance happens when you open up the books and you start studying past when you want to. Because here's how I studied. Here's how we all tend to. We open up and go, yeah, I got this. Okay, let's go eat a hamburger, right? You got to endure. You got to stay up a little later. You got to get up a little earlier. You got to go see a tutor. You got to endure. And that endurance then shows up in the test when there's proven character. Now I've got to fill out the test. Now I've got to do the scantron. Now I've got to write the essay. I've got to do the multiple choice, whatever it is. And then the proven character turns into hope. 
You get to graduate. You get finished with school. You never have to go to school again. You get to go to work <laughs> for decades. You don't have to mess with homecomings and spring breaks and Christmas breaks. You don't have to worry about playing sports and having fun with your friends. You don't have to worry about lunch with all your pals. You don't have to worry about getting everything free off your parents. You get to go to work. And that's the hope that you have. <laughs> Be encouraged. And it lasts forever. And then you finally retire, and then you get to go back to high school and go to all your grandkids' games over and over and over and over, which is great too. But students, there's, there's a process through that, isn't it? It's not just you go to class and take the test. There's a process of it. And there's a process in our own hearts as well. There's a painful process in many ways to be able to go through all those things. That three through five, uh, Romans five, three through five, I, I call it uh, my high school heartbreak verse. First time, you know, you ever have verses that the first time you remember when somebody gave it to you and you're like, ah, that, I needed that. Somebody gave me that verse, my high school heartbreak verse. I, I dated a, a young lady in high school for a couple years, even on into college, and we broke up. Obviously, she's happily married to somebody else, and I'm happily married to Kelly, and we thank God for unanswered prayers, right? That's how it goes. So all, all's well, but in that moment, it's kind of first love type stuff, and when we broke up, ah, I didn't know if life was going to go on. I mean, break my arm. Don't break my heart, right? It hurts. Hurt for her too, I'm sure. I mean, I hope it did a little bit at least, right? <laughs> I'm sure it hurt for her far worse than it did me. But you just, you ache. And you got to come to this place of affliction. And, you know, there's other worse sufferings for sure than breaking up. But, but it hurt at that stage in my life. And you come through that and then you say, well, I'm going to have to be in a place that, that this affliction is going to have to be some endurance. I've got to keep walking with God. And I was pretty young in my faith in those days. And I'm going to prove my character. I said I believe in Jesus. I said that I believe in his plan for my life. I mean, do I really believe in it or not? Is hypocrisy the rest of the thing for me or is it hope? So I'm going to endure, I'm going to prove my character, and I'm going to be the kind of person that God wants me to be, and then I'm going to be in hope, and then walk in hope, and man, God brought me Kelly, and God brought my high school girlfriend, her husband one day, and all of that, and then in hope, you go, wow, thank you, Lord, what a blessing, and I'm so glad I stayed in the press. And that's just one out of probably 50 examples in my life, I could tell you, where every believer has an opportunity to get out of the press. You stay in that press and you trust God to give you rejoicing even in the midst of pain. Let me tell you what, I've seen it time and time again. Our church members suffer well, suffer deep and they suffer well because they know that God's doing something and they can trust him. And then there's hope. So a benefit of justification, past tense, is that we're going to make it, we're going to learn to rejoice in our afflictions. And then also, too, I've already uh, alluded to it, benefit four, cultivating God-honoring character. See, character formation is deeply personal, and it usually takes place out of the line of sight. Character formation is usually not a big public display. It's the practice, it's not the touchdown. 
Now, it reveals itself, your practice reveals itself in the touchdown, but it's usually out of the line of sight of others. So we cultivate godly character, God-honoring character. Benefit five, possessing God's love within. Possessing God's love within. Let's look at verse five for benefit five. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love, how much is God's love? God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So justification results in God's love being poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit being given to us. Here's what's amazing about this, possessing God's love. How much is God's love? When he pours it out in your heart, how much pouring is that gonna be? Glup, 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 glup. When does it stop? It's like, oh, we're done with God's love. Glup, 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 glup. It is just, whoa, if it was water, it just filled the world with God's love. And he's pouring it out in your heart, in my heart. How? Through the Holy Spirit. When a believer, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit resides in your heart. You receive the Holy Spirit upon salvation. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Now, how much you release to Him and how much you honor Him and follow Him, then that's, that's Lordship stuff. But you receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, you couldn't be a believer without Jesus in you, forgiving you. He's not gonna leave a hole, an empty vacuum. So the Holy Spirit is in us. And it says God's love through the Holy Spirit. You can look at Romans chapter eight, verse nine, talking about the Holy Spirit inside of us. And it fills us and God's love is unending. So it overflows. So now God's love filling you, filling me, it overflows into racial reconciliation. It overflows into missions. It overflows into giving. It overflows into parenting, into our singlehood, into our marriages. It overflows. And so Jesus poured into me should be blessing you. You see it? And that's a benefit to the world, but particularly us in being just if I'd had never sinned. I have peace with God. I have access to God. I'm able to endure trials with God. I can honor and rejoice in those trials. I can honor uh, God-honoring character in it. And the love of God is poured out in me. And He is able to do that love. Now, I hope you feel the love of God. I hope you feel the peace of God. But I want you to hear there is a fact about the love of God. And there's a fact about the peace of God. And there's a fact about the access of God. And it's not come through your works. It's come through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's great news. So we got to believe in faith. We got to put our faith in him. And heartache in the highest times, faith in him. And then that happens, you just start putting things on your tray. Wow, look at this God. And abundantly, he gives you all things for life and godliness. Let me give you kind of a sermon in the sentence from J.I. Packard, what I'm trying to get across to you today. Justification, more than a 29-point Scrabble word, justification is the truly dramatic transition from the status of condemned criminal awaiting a terrible sentence to that of an heir awaiting a fabulous inheritance. Is that incredible? Justification is the truly dramatic transition from the status of a condemned criminal. What is that? That's a sinner awaiting a terrible sentence. That's hell. Transition through justification in Christ to an heir 
awaiting a fabulous inheritance for all of eternity, access to the Father. So what that means as we wrap this thing up, that means you pull out your tray and you say, I want one of those and 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 two of those. And I'm not just getting the green jello, I'm getting the red jello and the orange jello and the yellow jello and the green jello because I want as many dyes in my body as I could possibly have at this very moment. And I'm getting another slice of carrot cake and I'm getting another thing of macaroni and I'm coming all the way through. And when it's all added up, they'll say, and Jesus Christ has paid for it all. You have every benefit of justification because when God looks at you and he looks at me, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's just if I'd never sinned and I have a glorious inheritance with my father. Are you feasting on these benefits or are you just too focused on stuff going around your life? Walk with him, he's paid it all. He's got a tray for you, you could never imagine how good. Father, we come in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We've got a fob into heaven. We've got access through the Son to the Father. We've got a tray filled with every heavenly blessing. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart. We overflow with the love of God and we can walk in these benefits of justification by faith alone, whether it's Abraham or David or me or any of us. Thank you, God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, if you've never placed your faith in him, digital family on campus as well, you just pray and just say, Jesus, I place my faith in you alone to save my soul, to forgive my sins, and to make it just if I had never sinned. trade my sin for your righteousness. If you prayed that at any campus, we'd love to talk to you, we'd love to help you. If you already know Christ as Savior, would you just thank God for the benefits? You have access, you have peace, you can rejoice in your trials, you can prove your character, and you can be filled up with the love of God through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.